from our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Hey, and welcome to Startups of the Week Season 2. I'm Trisha, and I'm here with Alex. Hello. And this week, we're going to tell you about Good Egg's comeback story, and then yet another food delivery startup, Eat Club, and its most recent acquisition. Welcome to our Startup of the Week podcast. I'm Trisha Thadani, and I have Alex Wilhelm here, um, Editor-in-Chief of Crunchbase News. He's speaking, us, speaking to us all the way from across the country in Rhode Island. How's it going there, Alex? Uh, it's going very, very well. Actually, it's a perfect day on the East Coast, so I'm very glad to not be in the Bay mm. for a hot minute. Yes, um, cannot say the same here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited to be doing one of these uh, remote. This is our first, I think, official remote mm-hmm. uh, recording, so yeah. that's pretty fun. Yeah, cool. Um, so for our regular listeners, you already know the drill, but Alex, you want to walk us through how what, what we do here every single week and how we choose the companies? Yeah, yeah. So the usual set of rules is we look for three different startups. We look for one company that's, quote, trending on Crunchbase. We look for that company to be smaller, that hasn't recently raised money, and hasn't been acquired. And then we look for one really interesting funding deal, and then we look for one acquisition. So we're trying to look at companies that are in the Bay Area uh, from a kind of diverse set of perspectives to find out kind of what's cool and what's coming up next. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so as you're saying, we usually do three companies, but this week we've actually consolidated into two. It wasn't less work, but <laughs> it'll be maybe easier <laughs> to follow, follow along. Um, and do you want to tell us why we have two instead of three? Yeah, so one company that was in our trending category was trending because it bought something, Mm -hmm. and that company that it bought ended up in our list of acquisitions. So we Mm -hmm. end up having kind of two companies in two categories uh, that are kind of going to come as a package deal, Mm -hmm. if you will. Right, so this is, we were talking about, I think this is the first time that 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 has actually happened, which is really interesting. Um, And it's the first time that both of the, or all of the companies that we're talking about have to do with the same category. (laughs) Um, which is food, which we all know and love. Um, Yes, all right, so let's get right into it. So the first company that we are going to be talking about is called Good Eggs. Um, So this is um, a company that does uh, farm-to-table food delivery. So they um, have a big warehouse. I I think it's in the Bayview. Don't hold me to that. But they have this really cool sprawling warehouse, um, and you can order online, um, and they'll give you same-day delivery. But what makes what, you know, why this company caught mine and Alex's eye is because it's been touted as sort of this comeback story um, where a couple of years ago, Good Eggs, it, they, you know, they had this business model, but then they grew too fast too quickly. Um, and then all of a sudden they were on the brink of becoming bankrupt. So they had to aggressively then scale back their operations. They had to shut down, um, you know, operations in, in some cities. They had to lay a bunch of people off. Um, and then they brought in a new CEO, Bentley Hall, who's just been slowly building it up from there. Um, and then, so Alex, want to tell us about what, what has happened now with them? Yeah, so they raised a bunch of money, which kind of caps off the comeback story that you just outlined. Mm-hmm. But what's really cool isn't that they just raised a bunch of money, because that happens all the time in Silicon Valley, but it's, it's, they've come back from really the precipice. Mm-hmm. I think that most people who knew about the company before went through all those struggles kind of thought that it wasn't going to make it because most companies that go through a period 
of that kind of turbulence when they're still a startup tend to, to not pull out and right. they don't end up coming back. So this was a super interesting story. And then when they come in with a fifty million dollar round, right. that's staggering. That, that's a that's a real cap on the uh, on the comeback. How how often does that happen? Where like investors will I don't know if it was the same investor. I don't think it was. But how often is that like a company that is kind of on the brink of bankruptcy or has gone bankrupt that they will then then you hear this sort of story where now investors have a renewed faith in them and are willing to pour it and it, not an insignificant amount. I mean, it was fifty million dollars. <laughs> um, so yeah, like how often does this happen? So I was thinking about that before we jumped on because I wanted to talk about the historical context. But here's the thing. I can't right now recall a single instance from memory of a company that pulled off something this dramatic. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so rare. Because here's the thing. If you're a big company and you make a lot of money, you're very profitable and you have a tough period, you have enough to kind of fall back on that you can kind of keep yourself afloat. But startups, which are usually unprofitable and require external investment to keep going, have less uh, wiggle room, I guess, when they hit trouble patches. And so to go all the way down, all the way back up, I'm sure there is a precedent, but I can't come up with it right now. That's how rare it is. Right. So, you know, it's it's rare. It's it's a nice story. But in reality, because they're a food delivery startup, now they have to deal with the idea that Amazon is going to be prancing into this space or is, is already prancing into this space. I mean, is $50 million enough for a company to kind of ward off the competition of Amazon? Well, the question that I would say is Amazon is a company that wants to go after the whole world, mm-hmm. especially in the United States. They want to go after every market they can and be as big as possible. Good Eggs, which you describe as a farm-to-table operation, probably is more locally grounded. And so maybe this time they'll use the money to expand more deliberately. And if they can do that, maybe they can carve out a niche inside of this very competitive food world Mm -hmm. that Amazon can't do because Amazon wants to go for the big one-size-fits-all approach. That's my my thought. Um, And there is a a very large market for higher-end food, especially at um, certain companies, as you've seen through like Zero Cater and Zesty. So maybe, and certainly investors have put $50 million um, (laughs) in favor of it being a possibility. So they think so. So so I posed this question to uh, Bentley Hall, the CEO this morning, knowing that he probably got this question all the time. Um, But so he said that Amazon going into groceries was actually the biggest catalyst he could have imagined for um, getting consumer behavior to shift online. Um, And so he said, quote, and those that don't want to buy food from the same place that they buy their durable goods can come to Good Eggs. (laughs) So (laughs) very positive attitude. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm enthusiastic for it. I I hope it works out because I would love to not see the whole world just become Amazon. And now that Amazon owns Whole Foods, Amazon is a disgusting amount of both online and physical commerce. Mm-hmm. And that makes me slightly uncomfortable, just right. frankly. But it, I guess I, d- I don't know the prices of good eggs, but, but one major question I have is the accessibility here. I mean, I would assume if they are delivering this really fresh organic stuff on the same day, I mean, it must be pretty expensive. Yes, but scale can generally bring down that sort of cost. So, or not, right? I mean, so if with this money they can both expand territorially and also maybe um, invest in their infrastructure and talk to the suppliers more, maybe they can get those prices down. Mm-hmm. But I presume that if you're going to be the, the contra Amazon player, you're going to have to either be incredibly cheap or more expensive and higher quality. Right. And it seems like, given what you've told me, they're kind of shooting for the second one. So maybe accessibility isn't uh, a core part of their goal. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. 
moving on to another food startup. Um, and, and I was realizing while we were talking about this was a horrible like episode for us to have when I haven't had lunch yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, um, yes, next time let's fix that first. Yes. So Eat Club um, is a company that we've spoken about before on the show. Um, and it's a type of company that I feel like we're always talking about on the show as well. Um, so it is one that has built a business model around delivering lunch, which would be really nice right now, um, delivering lunch to other companies. Um, so, you know, for our regular listeners, you'll um, probably recall that last week, I think it was, we spoke about Zero Cater, um, which did the same thing. Um, they give, they source lunch from local restaurants and deliver it to other companies in as a buffet style. Um, and then the week before that, we spoke to a company that does the same thing called Zesty. Um, but what, what sets Eat Club apart is that they do personalized personalize lunches, um, which is great <laughs> for them. Um, <laughs> and so they also acquired um, a smaller company called Farm Hill that basically does the same thing. Um, so my main question here is because we talk about these kinds of companies every like every single week i mean is there space for more than like one of these companies it seems super niche super tailored towards the silicon valley lifestyle which might be a shocker but it's not the same thing all around the country i mean why why are there so many of these companies and can is, is there room for more than one well, I think what we're seeing in this case is more consolidation. Because if you think back to the Zesty Square deal, that was one of those companies being kind of bolted into Caviar, which Square had already bought. Zero Cater raised to be independent, but in this case, with Farm Hill being snatched up, that's a reduction of one of the players. And probably a bet by Eat Club that there won't be that many players, but that it wants to be one of the few that remain. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, the way the landscape looks right now, there's kind of like Zesty inside of a large public company. There is Zero Cater by itself, and then there's E-Club, which is kind of hoovering up a smaller firm to make itself bigger. That seems to me like a maturing market. And so maybe there is space for two independents and then one major corporate. Um, or maybe there's only going to be room for one major corporate and one independent. But right now, people seem to be arguing for more consolidation, but not entire consolidation of the space. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that I would quibble with is I think the idea of giving your employees food is less, uh, is maybe more common than we think. Because I think mm-hmm. these companies have expanded to other markets pretty far outside the Bay Area. And I wonder if that perks that we think of is going to become just more common. Because here's my thought. When I have worked at companies where lunch is not brought in, I go out for lunch. And that takes time. Mm-hmm. I leave the office. I stand in line. I sit on the bench. It's great for my mental health and terrible for productivity. <laughs> but when you bring food to the office, I will get a plate of food and walk right back to my desk and slowly pick at it while I work for hours. Are you are you and separating? Then I work a ton more. Are you separating mental health from productivity? Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, some of my most productive times have been my, my least mentally healthy bits of my life. Mm, um, interesting. Which is just, well, that's Silicon Valley for you. But mm. I'm just saying, but I think if you give your employees some food, they'll work more. And so that's why I think that eventually this is going to become a more common thing because mm-hmm. you can grind out more uh, per dollar repair work. Mm-hmm. Right. And hopefully my editors at the San Francisco, are lis- San Francisco Chronicle are listening here. If you give your employees <laughs> food, <laughs> they will work harder. <laughs> Anyways. All right, so I, that I think so, at least. 
uh, on that note, um, I need to get some lunch and get off the phone. Um, but that's all we have for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Read more startups coverage at sfchronicle.com. And Crunchbase.news. I'm Trisha Tadani. And I'm Alex Wilhelm. And this is Startups of the Week. You've been listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our executive producer is Fernando Diaz. Our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. And our producers are Peter Hartlob, Brittany Schell, and Claire Varelos. The music you just heard is Botfest by Alex Vaughn. If you like what you heard, good news, there's more. Listen to Chronicle Podcasts and get bonus content at sfchronicle.com slash podcasts or subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, or other streaming services.
Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Read more startups coverage at sfchronicle.com. And Crunchbase.news. I'm Owen Thomas. And I'm Alex Wilhelm. And this is Startups of the Week.